uh, we have been going through this series and we've been inviting you to say, hey, you know what, uh, uh, what is it that I can do? What is wait, praying? I've been inviting you to do this ABC thing. Would you, you know, be willing to ask God, believe, and then commit? And I've been inviting you to say, this is how you can help us uh, over the coming months to be able to be prepared financially to be where we need to be as a church to uh, have this new facility built. Uh, some of you, maybe you're new here, you're visiting with us. These things that I'm sharing this weekend are really just family business. Uh, if you decide to make this church your home, you can always partake in some of the things that I'm talking about in this series. Uh, but for those of you that do call this church your home, I've been saying, hey, we need your help. You can go back if you've missed some of the weeks of this series. They've been very important. I'm not going to go through a lot of the detail because we've done it enough already. But if you have missed this series where you've, you've only, you know, kind of been in and out, you, you should go back. You should listen to especially weeks one and two because that's really where we laid out what was at stake. You can go to YouTube and go to our channel, New Walk Church, or you can go to our website, newwalk.church, to see those archives. I'm going to share about uh, giving in a way that will maybe explain. There are some of you who really have no idea. Why is it? Why is it that Christians give this percent of their income every week or every whatever they're paid? Like, why is it that Christians do that? And there are many of you, like if I asked you that, you couldn't probably, you couldn't answer it well. All right? you just, and you're not a part of that because it's just not something you've understood. I think as I teach today, uh, maybe there's going to be some of you, the light is going to go on, and you say, oh my goodness, I see it now, I understand it, I hope that's the case. I want to talk to you about two types of giving, and the one in particular that is extremely important for a church, and why uh, so many people do give and support this church the way that they do. But in Proverbs 11 and verse 24, it says this, one person gives freely, we shared the scripture last week, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. I, I put that in there because I wanted to share with you uh, what it says in the message translation. Uh, it says this, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And if you are a part of supporting the local church, You've figured it out at some point, like there's an expansiveness in what I'm connected to when I support the work of the church. You, your, your world has gotten larger, right? Stingy people live in a small world. They don't know it because they've never discovered generosity, but stingy people live in a small world. But for those of us who've understood the importance of generosity in the church, we've seen our world expand greatly because of that impact towards other people. And there's a particular type of giving that allows you in the church to encounter more expansive work in our community and beyond our community as well. This is a type of giving. I'm going to come back to it in a little bit. I touched on it several years ago, uh, but I just want to take time today to really expand on the topic and, and help you see it more clearly. There's a type of giving. It is known as prevention giving, and many of you have been a part of it like me for a long time. Some of you have given uh, to the church in this way that I'm going to share about today in our time together. You've been doing it for five years, 10 years, 15, 20 plus, 30, maybe for many, many decades where you give a percent of your income every time income comes in and you give it towards the local church. And for those of you that do that, 
you do it because you understand that, you know what, that is important, the work of the church. The church has staff that has to do things to run a ministry, and you understand that. And the church has, you know, uh, things that they put out there to communicate to our community, to reach our community, and that that costs money, and you understand that. You're, you understand that your giving helps us do events that we do here all the time. You understand that your giving helps us buy land or build buildings or run incredible student programs or have amazing small groups and publish things and be able to deliver for our small groups in a big way. You understand that what you give here helps create environments that our families want to be a part of, a kids ministry that our kids want to go to, a youth ministry that our students want to go to, and you see the importance of that, and so you just consistently give over and over again. Some of you have had people in your family that never wanted to go to church, and all of a sudden they find themselves here at our church, wanting to be a part of our church, and you give because you've seen the power of what this church can do to deliver for our community and even for your family. And those of you who do this, you steadily do it. You plot along, you do it week in, week out, or every two weeks, or whenever the income comes in, and you do it, and you say, you know what, I'm not here for the flash, man. I'm not here for you know, this immediate, I'm not doing this giving for some immediate return. I'm not doing it because, you know, I just, it just is like a feel good moment. And so I step up and give, it's not an emotional thing for you. It's just a very consistent thing. You don't need me to deliver a rah-rah sermon for you to get this. Those of you who do this, you've already learned it, figured it out, understood it. I don't have to put pictures of starving kids on a screen to move you emotionally, to say, oh my goodness, I need to get involved. You understand, you can't wait to do it, you love being a part of that in the local church. This is one type of giving that is extremely powerful. I'll come back to it here in a moment. There's another type of giving that we love to do in America, but it's not necessarily as helpful uh, completely for the work of the church, uh, but it is important. I wanna just share with you this type of giving. So in your notes, there's a little place for you to write this down. It's called intervention giving. And intervention giving is simply kind of what it says. It's we give to intervene in a moment. I put this definition in your notes. Uh, giving directly to something that will help immediately. It's the kind of giving where somebody's in a crisis and you give to help them out of a crisis. Intervention giving is certainly something we should all be a part of at times. Uh, it is certainly a level of generosity. It is usually born out of a knee-jerk kind of emotional reaction. I share, or you're in a place where they share something about some broken kids or some broken homes or, or something that's happening in another community and it looks really bad, and I share it or somebody shares it and says, now give to it, and people say, oh my goodness, I gotta do something. And so I put this in your notes. It's usually emotional, and the results are usually measurable, right? Because we can stir you to do it, and we can, you know, have results come pretty quick from that, that giving, right? It's emotional because you'll hear a story that causes you to cry, and then you'll go, oh my gosh, I, I gotta do that, and it's measurable because I can stand before you and say, here's 20 families that have got this going on, and if you will step up and be a partner with us, we will see this accomplished and we step up and we can watch and just kind of track and see what's happening with those 20 families. Or we got a family over here and something happened in their life and they're in need 
in a big way. And so I need you to step up. And we can see that done and resolved in a huge way. That is intervention giving in a moment, in a moment where we decide to do something for somebody. But there's another part of giving, and what I would say is the next level of giving. And this is what the church people understand. This is why you see this percentage giving that people do systematically over and over again. It's called prevention giving. In your notes, prevention giving is this, a systematic way of supporting an organization, especially a healthy local church, that allows the organization to invest in its people. That investment, I, I, that's important, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but here's the thing about this type of giving. All right, it's not very measurable. Uh, it's not uh, very emotional, really, but it is far superior. Uh, in your notes, it is far superior than uh, so many uh, than than other types of, of intervention giving. Uh, I'll explain generally why it is far superior. It is far superior because we are able to do things as a church to get out in front of things that would have, might have caused us to need to intervene, but now we don't have to intervene because something happened in the lives of that family or those people. In other words, it would have happened where we had to intervene, but we don't have to because something took place in the work of the local church. I'll, I'll unpack it a little bit more to where you can understand it, but this prevention giving is a portrait of how the church operates as we move the gospel into communities and make a difference in homes. We're able to give and sort of get out ahead of problematic situations because of the radical transformation of people's lives spiritually. In America, though, we don't really like to give to, intervention, or to prevention giving. We prefer intervention. In the United States of America, we have been trained to act when we see the photos, to get emotional. That's the way we kind of tug at your heartstrings maybe, and that's when maybe somebody writes the check or goes online and makes the gift. In America, we don't like, we don't like prevention in a lot of things, all right? For, for many of you, when I start sharing some things, you'll, you'll relate to this, right? We don't deal with very well in America marriage health, you know, uh, uh, or what you might call unhealthiness prevention. What we do in America today is we rush to the altar and we kind of have these bad habits that make their way out and we get involved in some unhealthy things in our marriage. Some of our emotional baggage comes up, bubbles up in the marriage, some of our brokenness, some of our bad habits, and the marriage becomes very devastated. But there's prevention for things like that. What does that prevention look like? Prevention looks like, hey, before we get married, let's go to premarital counseling. Let's spend a little time learning about each other and what we believe and don't believe about life, marriage, things like that spiritually. We, we could go to things like re-engage that the church offers where we could be a healthy couple, but we just want to prevent. We just want to do better. We don't want the bad things to happen. We want to get it from the kind of the front end, right? That would be a health situation that we could avoid if we were involved in this prevention for our marriage. There's things we can watch, books we can read before we get married or as soon as we get married to make sure that we communicate better, live better, treat each other better. But we don't do that here in America. What we rather do is just, let's just go. And, and then what ends up happening is after a while, after the marriage is crumbling, then people come to the church or they come to the pastor and they say, we need you to intervene. 
And we do that as a church, just so you know. And we will always do that as a church. And we're honored to be able to help people when they're in crisis situation in their marriage. But isn't it true that there could have been a little bit of work we could have done on the front end to help keep that hurt from happening in that marriage? Of course, that's called prevention. And usually when I'm sitting with a couple, you know, and I hear them talking, usually in about five or six minutes, here's what I start hearing. Some of the, all the things they start sharing are things that could have been prevented had they done a little bit of work in the front end. It's some of the common things, right, that the names change, but the situations stay the same, right? I can boil down most marriages, marriage problems to five or 10 issues. You hear them saying things like, he's never home, he puts his job first, uh, she's, she's not doing this right, and he, you know, he, he's not doing this right, and, and their emotional baggage is coming up, and he's not leading us spiritually, and I can hear all these things, and I go, my goodness, those were solvable, had we just spent a little bit of time in prevention, marriage health prevention. And so that's one example where we could avoid the pain and heartache, but we choose not to. What about financial? Financial health prevention. We, we, could, uh, we could certainly learn at any time how to handle our finances better live differently to have healthier outcomes in our finances. We could do better at that, but what do we choose to do in America when it comes to our finances? We choose to kind of just do it our own way. And then some hiccups come in life, some problems develop in the economy, and all of a sudden you're sitting there going, my gosh, my finances are completely a disaster. They're worse than ever before. And there are things you could have learned along the way to get this right and avoid the chaos, things like how to save money, Things like how to be generous with your resources, to let go of the grip of greed, little things you can do to stay out of debt, control your spending habits, gear down and have a budget, live on less than you make. You could have learned how to do that many, many years ago. There were times where the pastor stood on stage and said, we have this gathering you can go to to learn these things, to avoid some of the heartaches down the road, but we just continued doing it our way. And then what happens? Intervention is needed. It's a crisis situation. Oh my goodness, I need credit counseling. Uh, we, we need somebody to help us with the financial counseling. We need debt consolidation because our finances are a mess. We need intervention. But couldn't we have saved some of the heartache just by putting in the work on the front end? What about health? When it comes to health. <laughs> We get ourselves in a mess health-wise, and we go to the doctor, and we say, hey, doctor, <laughs> uh, I've got this physical issue. It's been going on a while. I just need your help with this situation. Doctor, I need you to intervene. And what is, what is it we often hear from doctors and people in the medical world? They'll say, you know what? You could have avoided this if you had just done a little diet and exercise and changed the way you eat many, many years ago. We've <laughs> all heard this. I've heard these things. You could have done something years ago to prevent the situation that you're in right now. What is the doctor saying to you in those moments? He's saying, I'm happy to intervene. That's what I'm paid to do, and I'm going to do it. But what would your life have looked like? We probably wouldn't have been here if you had years ago decided to be involved in prevention. We could have avoided all of this. And in America, again, we don't like that. We say, give me the pill, doc. Whatever it is to fix it, I need the surgery, doctor. We got four days on our calendar scheduled in a couple months. Can you fit me in there? I'm going to go back to the way that I live, but I just need a little intervention now. Intervention 
certainly important that doctor needs to do his job, but I think we could all agree, and I've been in this boat, that there are plenty of things we could have done on the front end. This is kind of a portrait now of what prevention giving is versus intervention giving. Intervention giving, things are messy, it's emotional, there's results that we need right away, they're measurable. Prevention giving, getting out ahead of something before it happens. Here's a question for you. Let's say we have a girl in our church who's in a home life where she's being abused. Would you rather give to an organization that helps get that girl out of that abused home situation, or would you rather give to an organization that goes to work on the front end to make sure that abuse never happens for that child so that the situation never takes place? And that's a trick question, and it's not fair, because I, I, I want to do both. And you're probably like me. You're like, yes, we need to intervene. We need to help that girl. But if I start talking to you about, hey, but also there's maybe some things that a vibrant church can be a part of that helps prevent that from even taking place, you would go, oh, man, yeah, I, I think that would be really good to be a part of. And what I would submit to you is why prevention giving is greater is this. If we get out ahead of it, and it never happened, the emotional scars, like we can lift her out of that home, but the emotional scars that she's gonna keep forever and ever because she did not, because uh, she, she lived in that situation, she's gonna have those, there's gonna be counseling and things that are gonna take place. Her life would have been a lot better had it not ever taken place, and that's why prevention, again, it is more, it is far superior giving to an organization that cares about getting ahead, getting out in front of these things. If I brought a girl up here on stage or a boy up here on stage who was going through some sort of chaotic home life and I said to you, hey, there's something we can do to rescue them now, you'd probably go, yes, I want to do that. But those who are a part of prevention giving say, I want to systematically be a part of something that makes a huge difference over and over again. And a vibrant church is is critical to this, right? And we don't, when we take the resources that are brought here to this house, when you decide to put your percentage giving in circulation here at this church, when you're a part of this prevention giving, a difference is being made in the lives of people, you're a part of something where, hey, I can know that this community that I'm involved in, this church, is doing their part. It, I, a vibrant local church versus maybe, I don't know, one that is focused on other things, but at this church, you can be sure that as we come here today and as we sit, you have a pastor that wants to move us and push us to reach our community, to reach people around us, right? I, I, we're not doing church today, those of us who are Christians, so that we can become spiritual fat cats. If you wanted me to sit up here and do the Greek and the Hebrew or the translation of a scripture and dig it down and dig it down and dig it down so that we can all learn, I, I could do that. I would submit to you, you should be doing that throughout the week and not depending on your pastor for something like that. My job in this church is to give you some resources on the weekend to help you, to help you grow a little bit further, give you some action steps, but also to motivate you to leave here, to be the church outside the doors of this community, to make a difference in families, homes, jobs, neighborhoods, because we are being the church when we exit this building. And a church that has that mentality is going to naturally be heavily involved in this thing called prevention giving. 
Our church is on a mission, and that mission makes a difference. Let me give you a small snapshot of how powerful intervention or prevention giving is versus intervention. I mentioned financial situations and how we have to sometimes intervene in financial situations. But we have this thing at our church that we offer people regularly. It's called Financial Peace University. And uh, we are actually having a gathering today. I'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But Financial Peace University is where we help, uh, you know, pull alongside you to, to help your financial situation, to change the way you do things. Why are we doing that? Because we want to prevent things from happening on the front end to get out ahead of some really messy stuff. And when we do that, we have people come and they hear, and many people will decide to put some things into action to help prevent unhealthiness from developing further and further in that relationship and in their home and their financial setting. Let me ask you this. How many people came to Financial Peace University, put into practice the principles of how to manage their money, and because they did that, their home is no, there's no arguing over finances, there's no spiraling of brokenness in the marriage over finances and people who put money first, there's no brokenness in the home and divorce that took place. How many people did we reach that didn't go through a divorce? Here's the answer, we don't know. We don't know the impact of all that Financial Peace University did because those bad things never happened. You understand? That's what prevention giving does. And so it's not as sexy, right? You don't, you don't see the intervention. You don't see the results. But how many married couples decided to stop arguing over money? We don't know. I mean, I guess we could, talk, we could ask them. But, but at the end of the day, what is it that's happened there? Some of it's a bit unmeasurable, but we know it has made a difference in the lives of people. How many kids, because their parents fought over money and ended up getting divorced, moved to another city, had to break away from their friends, went to another church, their parents went through financial disaster further because of bankruptcies. How many of those families had that or were avoided that? We don't know. They didn't happen. A healthy church is involved on the front end. How about our youth nights? When Pastor Rusty is investing in our students, what is he doing? He's helping to share information with them to get out ahead of some situations maybe in life that could cause them to end up in messier places. So he wants them to, to see like there's a different way to live. And so let's just say, as Pastor Rusty is teaching, uh, there's a young boy in the crowd, just like we heard in the video last week uh, that was shared up here on the stage. He shares about Jesus Christ, and he's, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Rusty does this regularly, and, and some of the kids start to hear it, and there may be a boy, let's say, in the audience who's, gone through some real struggles, they're searching for hope, they really don't know what hope is, and maybe life spirals for them in the next 10 years, 5 years, 8 years, to a point where maybe they want to commit suicide. But they don't commit suicide because in a moment on an afternoon or evening here at church where Pastor Rusty was teaching, the gospel went forth and that young man found hope. And he decided to live differently in his life because he found that hope. How many difficult moments did that boy would have had maybe happen in their life didn't happen now because that young man found hope? We don't know the answer because those things didn't happen. He's now found hope. That's prevention giving. That's what we're a part of when we do this. If there's a young girl at our student nights and she's been putting a lot of her identity into boys, 
do boys like me? And physically, should I do this or that with these boys? And all of a sudden, Pastor Rusty's teaching, and there's a young girl in the audience, and she starts to realize that her identity is not found in whether boys like her or want her physically or not. Her identity is found in who Jesus Christ sees her to be. And, and so she comes to live very differently in her life. And we can't measure the path that she would have gone down that maybe would have led to her finding a sexually transmitted disease or finding an unwanted pregnancy or having maybe she goes through an abortion. We can't measure those things because they didn't happen because we prevented them on the front end. Bigger answers to situations that would have developed highly, highly quantitative potentially in the future of the life of somebody of things that could have been negative, but now they've not taken place. We can't measure in this church the number of people that would have gone into something horrible in their life because of a spiraling addiction, but they came out of that addiction through the hope of Jesus Christ, and now all those things that would have happened in their life didn't take place. I don't know how many people that are a part of our church would have gotten a DUI or in a drunk driving accident. I don't know what the number would be because it's not measurable because they came to know Jesus Christ and they don't live that way any longer. It's by the hundreds and thousands of situations that are immeasurable that are happening in a church like ours year after year. I see this model in the scripture in Genesis 41. I talked about Joseph last week and how he honored God in every position and in every place that he was. And I shared last week how he honored God in the palace and he had the foresight to understand that, hey, we need to have prevention in place in case there's a struggle of finances, a, a, a struggle of famine in the land. And in Genesis 41, it says this, during the next seven years of plenty, the land produced bumper crops. Joseph gathered up the food of the seven years in Egypt and stored the food in the cities. In each city, he stockpiled surplus from the surrounding fields, Joseph collected so much grain that it was like the sand of the ocean, and he finally quit keeping track. What do we see? In a time of healthiness, a prevention work is being taken place by Joseph to make sure that when famine comes, the nation has plenty. He's getting out ahead of it. It says, then Egypt's seven good years came to an end, and the seven years of famine arrived, just as Joseph had said. All countries experienced famine. Egypt was the only one that had bread. We don't know how many people starved to death or would have starved to death in Egypt if they hadn't been prepared and prevented all of that from taking place. We don't know the number because it didn't happen. We don't know the number in Egypt of how many people killed their neighbor because their neighbor had food and the other person didn't because they were hungry and needed something. We don't know what the number is because it didn't happen because there was prevention. I would submit to you that this is a powerful thing to be a part of. Do I wanna be a part of a church that rescues people, intervention? Absolutely. And our church will still do that over and over and over again. But do I know that prevention, inter prevention giving is greater than intervention giving? Absolutely, and those of you who give of that 10% or more, what's called the tithe, a principle that goes back generations and all the way back into ancient history where people decided to give a tenth of their income. Those of you that do that systematically, percentage, regular giving here, you understand it's not glamorous. 
You know, like making sure the church can run day to day. You understand it's not sexy. You understand it's non-emotional. You just plod along with this journey because you know there is a difference that is being made in the lives of people in our community. And so I want to challenge you. Are you a part of that percentage, consistent, systematic giving, a part of the challenge of this series? I'm just saying, hey, man, we, we need you to be involved in this. We need you to take a look and, and see how you can help us in the, in the next year plus to help our church be in a better position. But what I'm submitting to you is like, there is something that you can be a part of when you say, God, not my kingdom first, your kingdom first. God, I will put you first. I want to save and then I want to live off the rest. And when you live like that in such a way and follow these ancient principles that prove to be tried and true and powerful for people over and over again, it also has this residual thing that expands your world because you are a part of preventing all these things that maybe would have taken place and never do. This ancient principle, here's a sample of it in Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. It could, have, it could have been grain back then. It could have been corn. It could have been flocks. It could have been cattle, things like that. Something that represented a tenth of somebody's wealth. And they would bring that forth for the work, that eternal investment in the kingdom of God, that difference making. Uh, are there people I could tell you about that probably one day you're going to meet in eternity? Are there people I can't tell you about that one day you're going to meet in eternity and in heaven because of your giving, because it had an effect on their life. I absolutely believe all of that is true, but I'm talking to you today about knowing where it's going right now. And when you're knowing where it's going right now and you're a part of a church that's in radical preventative giving, it is difference making at the highest levels. There's a family in our church that was sharing about how they give and they wanted to share with you their last name is the Johnsons and they uh, they were sharing, and then Pastor Darius joins them and gives a little bit of his story. And we put together a little video for you guys. I want you to see it. Here it is. Well, hey, friends. Welcome. Um, I know we've gotten to know each other over the last little bit, but I'd like for you to introduce yourselves and maybe say a little bit about who you are. Oh, my name is Lance Johnson. This is my wife. Stephanie. <laughs> well, awesome. I've uh, spent a little bit of time with, with you guys. Right now, we're in the middle of a giving series. What is it that um, brought you to that decision? Mine was a bit of a path. I would say it was more of a process. Um, I was a little hard-hearted uh, when it came to tithing. I was strong about my uh, finances. And if I had something left, I would give. And I would say now, oh, it's something I do right away. Mm -hmm. Automatically comes out of the account. Um, and it's just something we do automatically, right? It's not ours. Uh, like everything that we get is from God and he just literally amazes us mm -hmm. all the time. And so for us to not give, it, it just would not feel good. It right. wouldn't, it would feel uncomfortable at this point. So yeah. um, that's kind of how I feel about it. It's his anyway. So we're just being obedient to do what he wants with it. Wow, and not, and not just the tithing, but all of it. So Why is it important being part of a church, a local church to give? If my church, which played the ultimate part of, you know, me coming to know the Lord in such an intimate way, if my church hadn't been there at the time, it would just, it, those doors have to remain open for other people to come to know him the way I was able to. I see what, like, New Walk does to tithe and 
to further God's kingdom for what all the things Newark brings to the public and the area around the church, it's just magnificent. Mm -hmm. So I know our our tithing is going to a, a good cause. You, you never know when you're giving what God's gonna do with that, who that's gonna affect, whose life that's gonna affect. And there's actually someone I'd like to bring into this conversation right now, someone who you may have met before, uh, our friend, Pastor Darius. Now, I know you, you guys all know each other, but I'd like, Darius, if you could share a little bit about your own story and how you came to Newark and how that's affected you and where you're at now. I'd love to. So my family and I, we came to Newark back in 2014. And I remember when I first moved here, my mom would often ask me, have I found a church home? And um, so I kind of put it to the side, put it to the side. Fast forward a little bit, Carrie and I, we got in a bad place. I remember I was in the, in the garage and we had this huge argument. And I cried out to God that day. And I said, there has to be something more to life than this. And it was at that point that I heard God say to me, it's about time that you call. And um, I made a promise that day that I was gonna seek God first. And the church that I chose was that church that put that little egg in my mailbox and that person that came across the street invited me and that billboard I seen. And um, yeah, came to Newark for the first time and my life was radically changed in that moment. A lot of people, they see me in the hallway and they see Pastor Darius now. But a lot of people don't know, like my story, where I came from, it was five or six years of me just, you know, I'm, I was a volunteer. If you would say to me that all that that we have given at, our, at Newark Church, you give it back to me, I wouldn't even take it because it doesn't compare to the life change that has happened not only in my family's life, but as a person now that's on the staff, um, I get to see it on a whole nother level. You know, I, you know, families like you come in the doors of our church and you come in and you're serving and you're giving. I get to see the other side of that. You know, one of the things I notice when I'm in the hallway, I get to read the prayer cards and I see the life change that happens. I see the struggles that people are going through and we're able to continue to reach out to these people on a whole nother level because of the men and women like you couples like you in the background. And you're not doing it for that. You're doing it because you're remaining obedient. But I get to see that life change and um, it's just truly a blessing. Um, and I'm just so thankful for you and all you do because right now I know there is another broken Darius <laughs> somewhere in, in, in our church. And the reason why we're able to continue to do what we do every day is because in the background, we have people that are faithful and they're tithing. So I just want to say thank you to you guys. I'm just a little bitty story, um, but yeah, life change is happening because of you. Thank you. And we're just a little bitty part of God's big, big plan. Amen to that. Amen well, to that. To his yeah. That's right. Right. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness in that. I'm excited to see who that next yeah. Darius is. That's Ooh, I like that. In the, <laughs> it's right there in the seats right now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's one of these stories, and I wanted you to hear this about Darius because you can clearly see he talks about there's a moment in his garage where he decides to go down a different road. What would have happened had he not gotten the mailer and 
the billboard, and these are just all a part of what we do in prevention giving. We give so that the church can do these types of things, and, and then there's this guy in his garage, and he decides to take this road, but what if he had taken a road away from God, turned away from the things of God, kept going down the road he was going down? I, I, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if his marriage would have survived. I don't know what kind of pain, kind of pain it would have caused his kids had, had he been living a different way, but we can't measure it because it didn't happen. Because he turned towards God, because of people who are faithful, that percentage giving, kind of putting some things out there so that he would decide to come to a church, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, have his life radically transformed, and now he's on the other side of it, and he's able to affect people who might have, could have, would have gone down this road and lived a very poor life, but now he's able to impact them to live differently, and now they're adding up over and over all the things that maybe they could have had happen, but didn't happen in their own life because they took a healthier path. It's all a part of this multiplicative effect of this level of prevention work. I put this in your notes. Prevention giving is faith building. That's what it is. It's a building of your faith. Because you, again, because it's not glamorous, because it's not an emotional one-time situation that you can measure, you have to trust that this stuff is happening. You have to trust that God is impacting people and they're going down new roads in life to avoid all this other messiness that maybe would have possibly taken place. You have to trust that the organization that you worship and give to, that you put your dollars in circulation with to make a difference is actually seeing these things take place. And you have to trust that God will take care of you along the way. Let me tell you what is not faith-filled giving. When the bucket passes, you throw in a couple bucks here and there once in a while because you have an emotion, and maybe that emotion is negativity, like, oh, I got to do this, you know, or maybe the emotion is something like, oh, I got to help somebody today in some way, and you throw something in, like, that's very nice, appreciate you doing that, but that's not faith-filled, right? That's, that's just, I'm doing something right now. Faith-filled is that consistent percentage trusting, advancing the gospel, knowing that it's taking place, even when it's not always showing us how this, this unhealthy thing has, has happened in somebody's life and that we're a part of it. It's not faith-filled when you're just doing it kind of a once-in-a-while thing. I'm talking about being a part of a church that prevents heartache, being a part of a giving that prevents brokenness from ever happening, that prevents unforeseen disasters, prevents alcoholism from bringing damage or substance abuse bringing damage on families. I'm talking about a church that pre pre prevents unwanted pregnancies. That's what you can be a part of here in a church like New Walk. Uh, for some of you, it, it's a big step that I'm asking you to take. You know, these cards that are on your seats I said, hey, I'm asking you to get involved. And coming into this week, you know, we had, uh, after three weeks of doing this, we had 226 families that had filled out one of these cards and dropped it in the box on the way out. And I want to say thank you to those of you that have done that. Um, that does mean that there are still several hundred families that have not. And so I'm asking you, if you have said, oh, we've been praying, Pastor, okay, great, I appreciate that. I'm asking you to take action now. I, this is not me, you writing money on a card. That's not what this is. It's a step that you're committing to taking. For some of you, that first step of being a percentage obedient giver, you're saying, hey, 
we're gonna start doing that. We're gonna step up and make that decision and be obedient. And many of you have decided to do that for the first time, and I think that's incredible. You're now tapping into this prevention giving thing. Others of you have said, and you know what? We're gonna do it automated as well, and we're gonna make sure that in that automation that it's just regularly happening. Others of you already do it, and I've been asking you to pray about uh, taking an additional step. And many of you have said you're doing that. There are some of you have said, you know what, I'm already doing that and more. I want to move into extravagant giving. And some of you have decided to do that as well. I'm going to ask you again before you leave to say, hey, we haven't done this. We'll fill out one of these cards, exit the building at the end of our time together, exit the sanctuary here, make a right. And on the right-hand side of the hallway, as soon as you exit, there's going to be a box there. You can drop it in and say, hey, we are stepping up as a family. We're doing our part. And for all the people that follow through with this and say, hey, we, we actually took the action steps, uh, we're having a little gathering to kind of celebrate in the new year in February. And we are going to just praise and say, God, this is what you're doing. And this is uh, what we believe you're going to continue to do. So I hope you'll fill out one of these cards and then also follow through on the step. I think I said 226 people had taken the step coming into the weekend, only 50 had followed through online or to actually make the step happen financially. And so if you're one of those that have already dropped the card in, if you would follow through on the next step, if you need help understanding how to do giving, you can go down the hallway on the left-hand side. There's a long table there, an information table. They've got computers. They can help you get set up with automated giving. You can go to newwalk.church as well. And I put this note about automated giving, and it's in your... It's in your notes, and I would submit this to you. And I know some of you write checks very consistently, and it's like automatic for you, and so I'm not really talking to you, but, uh, well, I am in some ways, but I wanna particularly talk about those who uh, wanna understand why giving online is so important. I put this in your notes. Automation trumps determination. I can sit here and say, I'm so determined to do this. I'm so determined to do this. But the next step is to ensure that it's happening. And that's why I love automation. It just happens. And I just know it's taking place. I'm not fighting it. It's just happening. And so I would submit to you, it's very powerful to be in part of that automation. It is a part of that faith journey, that faith building to help you know that it is happening regularly in your life. Some of you might say, well, pastor, I don't know how to do this. I, I, I get financially to get things in order. We are having a Financial Peace University gathering after church today at, uh, at 12.30. You can join us, be a part of that. We've got free food. We've got free child care. Why are we doing that? We're just involved in prevention to help you get financially in order. We had coming into the weekend about 60 or so families that said they were interested in coming. If you are interested in that, uh, you can just stay. You're, go to leave, come back, 12.30, bring your family, and let us get into this kind of mode of learning. It'll be a couple hours, but it'll be very important for you to hear and be a part of. Look, um, I could stand up here and tell you that if you give, I could do an entire sermon about how you'll have treasure in heaven. I could do that. But I'm not doing that today. It's true that there's treasure in heaven, not financial treasure, but treasure of life change. I, I could stand up here and tell you how the Bible teaches the biblical principle of tithing through and through and do an entire sermon on it. I'm not doing that today. 
I could stand up here and tell you, if you want to invest in God's kingdom first, he will take care of your kingdom next. And in Matthew 6, it tells us that that is something that God will do. I could stand up here and tell you the church desperately needs your money, and if you don't give to this church, we're going to have to close the doors of the church and lock it up because we won't have enough money. And that would be a lie (laughs) because that's not true. But I could do something wacky to try to stir you maybe that way. Instead, what I want to tell you today is this. The church is the hope of the world. And because Jesus is the hope of the world, the church is then the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the voice of Jesus, and that allows us to be the hope of the world. The church is the difference maker in this community, and when you're a part of prevention giving, you are allowing those hands and feet to go out and make a difference in even ways we could never emotionally see or measure, but it's happening. And what an awesome privilege it is. For me to be a part of something like that. Why do people in our church, uh, most everybody in our church that does this, the people that actually do it, why do they do it? They don't do it because they want something back. They do it because they see a kid's ministry and they think to themselves, boy, I wish I had a kid's ministry like that when I was growing up. That thing's awesome over there. They do it because they see the work that takes place here on Wednesday nights and they go, man, I wish I had a youth ministry like that when I was growing up. Man, I love that our church has that. Why do people in our church give? They give because they found a church where sons and daughters and moms and dads, they want to be a part of like never before. They say, I want to give and be a part of that kind of difference making in my community. People give because they're like, I wish I knew that for my own life years ago, the things that this church does. I wish I had the things that they have, but now you want others to have it. And I say, thank you. I put this in your notes. Percentage giving and tithing to a vibrant local church is the best investment financially that you can make in terms of making an impact in a local community and in this world. It is the best. Radically, over and over, making a difference. And I'll say this to you as I close. If none of you ever did this percentage giving, if not one of you did this systematic, regular giving, and I'm not trying to be mean or arrogant or whatever, I would still do it myself. I I would still give percentage-wise systematically. And here's the reason I would do it. Because I sat in a church one day and the gospel went forth. And that church was there because of prevention giving. And I came to know Jesus Christ in that church because of faithful people. And I know a little bit about myself and the road I would have been headed down. And I know my sinful nature and I know the dumb things I'm very capable of doing. And I could probably put together potentially a list of possible things I would have done or been involved in had I not found Jesus Christ. But those things never happened because I found Jesus. And so for that alone and the difference it's made in my own life, I would say, I'm doing this. But I want it for others as well. This church, it is the church that has affected my life and it is this church that has affected so many lives of people that are sitting here today. Uh, let's pray together. Father, I'm praying right now as people are considering that card on their seat that, again, you'd prompt them one, one more time to say, it's time to take a step. And that step looks different for everybody in this room. But for prevention giving, it is worth it. God, and you know it. And we don't know all the immeasurables and we don't know all the, the things that we didn't see that didn't happen. But I believe one day you'll show us the difference we made. And I believe that's real.
But God, to know that our resources are in circulation with other resources in a local church that's impacting a community to prevent things from happening before they even happen. What a powerful thing to be a part of. God, I pray that you're stirring people a little further to take that step. But just like every weekend of this series, we've had people join us, visiting with us, or maybe they've been several times, but they don't have yet what it is Pastor Darius has what we see in the in the videos of other people sharing their testimonies, the, the Johnsons and the joy that they have to care about other people. They, they don't have that love of Christ in their heart. You're sitting in that in the church today, just like I was many years ago, and you're wondering, like, God, is there more? What's next for me? And God says, if you will bend a knee to me, I will open it up, man. I will show you a bigger world to be a part of, uh, not the small world you've been living in. If you'll just open your heart and mind to the creator of the universe, you can encounter so much more. You can do what I did all those years ago and just say, in your mind, you're bending a knee to God and saying, God, I want a relationship with you and I accept the gift of forgiveness that your son came to be, the gift of Jesus Christ on the cross, dying for the sins of humanity, so that I could be forgiven and have a relationship with you, God. I'm ready to receive that now and begin that journey with you. God, I turn to you now in Jesus' name. Father, I also thank you uh, for the gifts that we're about to receive as the buckets pass. Uh, Father, some people do give regularly, consistently in the buckets, and it's a part of their journey. And so we thank you for those who are giving. There are some who have already given online, and we thank you, God, for those who have done that. The power of prevention giving at work in the local church. Bless these tithes and offerings. Connect cards going in as well. In Jesus' name, amen.